Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. I am Millie Murillo, spiritual coach, teacher, astrologer. I'm here with my co-host, Ashley Torrance, psycho-spiritual counselor and medium. And today, I want to talk about a topic that is close to my heart. I'm going to talk a lot about astrology today. And I want to talk about what are known as the big three. The big three being the ascendant, the sun, and the moon. And I think that because astrology is very rapidly becoming much more of a popular topic, which I think is great. My hope is, is that in that popularity, it grasps someone's attention, it grabs someone's attention beyond just what they're seeing online. And perhaps they start diving into their charts, diving into books, and really begin to gain much more substantial information about astrology. And so something like the big three is a a popular phrase for that ascendant sun moon combo of of people's zodiac. I'm excited about this topic because I know some information, but you always deliver, you always make astrology so accessible. So I really think this will be helpful because I think sometimes we have an idea of what our sun is and what the ascendant, what the moon means, but you provide a more spiritual meaning, a more human meaning, a more accessible meaning that I think we can really apply to our lives and understand ourselves better. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. That has always been the intention in my work with astrology is what I always come back to when I read something in a book or when I have a conversation with another astrologer, for instance, is how do I translate this into English? <laughs> and because it's important, astrology I have come to find as a tool of self-awareness and self-acceptance. And in order for people to use astrology as that tool, they need to understand what they're looking at. They need to understand the tools that they're using. So I like to, I mean, let's begin, right? Yeah. I want to start with the ascendant because the ascendant by nature represents the first impression that someone gets of you. Now, one of the more popular interpretations of the Ascendant is not my favorite. I actually, ever since I learned this interpretation, it's something that always rubbed me the wrong way. The Ascendant is described a lot as the mask that you wear out in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, this term became very popular and became a staple in the description of the Ascendant because of Carl Jung's interpretation of the persona. Mm. And so he describes the persona as, again, this mask that we wear out in the world in order for us to feel the safest out in the world. My issue with that description of the Ascendant is that it sounds like you're pretending to be something you're not. And the Ascendant is very much something that you are. You are born with the ascendant that you're born with on purpose. It is in fact meant to help you navigate this world. And so what I I think a better interpretation that I read is by the astrologer Stephen Forrest. And the way that he describes the ascendant is the way that someone dawns on you. The way that someone's energy just dawns on you. And I thought that that was really beautiful because it essentially is that. To me, the ascendant represents the energetic relationship we have with the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
you and I are both Libra ascendants. That's air energy. It can be very logical energy. It's the energy that weighs the pros and the cons. It is also the energy that's ruled by Venus. It is the energy that represents really looking at both sides of the story, justice, fairness. And so our ascendants, we came into this lifetime with those ascendants in order to approach the world in that way. That is what is going to give us a sense of structure in order for us to navigate the world in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that someone has an ascendant in a water sign. So what are the water signs of the zodiac? Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. I want to, I want to also make this point. It's not enough to say that you and I are air ascendants. So we approach the world in this very Libra air way, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much more to that. I think it's also important to note that in order for us to actually fully understand the point of the ascendant and how it's actually really meant to be exercised, the entire chart needs to be looked at. Mm. So I think that's also something else that's important to note because a lot of times a lot of this information gets thrown out there. And again, I I understand why, you know, we have bite-sized moments on social media, for instance, people's attention span is like 0.2 seconds. But that's not enough. That's just a fraction of the information that we need in order to understand the totality of the expression of a part of the chart, like the ascendant, for instance. Mm -hmm. So I'll stop there. I've said a lot. I just, you know, I want to check in and see how it's landing and if you have any questions. It's so important to remember that we are complex beings and a chart is very complex, you know, that we can often think of these three things, the sun, moon, the ascendant, and kind of get stuck as if that's all there is or when we're relating to another person. But, you know, even in just what you described, you know, that the Venus is ruled by Libra or Libra is ruled by Venus Uh and uh just all the different facets of a chart that make up a layers of an individual and something also, you know, I'm used to hearing rising sign. So I just wanted to say for those of you that hear rising sign, that's the ascendant. That's new language for me. So I just wanted to share that. And I also wanted to ask, why don't we ever talk? I mean, I know you're talking about these big three, but why is the descendant? Why is it not spoken about very often? That's such a good question. And I I don't know. I mean, I think the descendant is spoken about a lot, but it's just not addressed as the descendant. I think it's addressed as the seventh house or as the house of partnerships. Oh, okay. Essentially... I want to be very careful not to say those terms are not interchangeable, but they do fall in the same place. Okay. And, and that's a very, that's very fine line, but the descendant. So the descendant is going to represent the energy that is going to help us balance out and sharpen the expression of our ascendant. Okay. I use those terms because a lot of times the descendant in a very, again, Astro 101 popular astrology description is, this is who you're going to fall in love with. And this is, this shows you your future partner. Um, it's very much used in the context of romantic relationships. And I think that one of the things that we have to remember is that even the concept of romantic relationships in the world that we live in is very heavily misunderstood and misrepresented. I think that is a personal opinion, but I think it's also something that is being spoken about more Mm. in terms of love, right? And romantic relationships. And that's important when it comes to understanding the descendant because 
if the descendant represents the energy that is supposed to create some kind of contrast, because it does create a contrast, the ascendant and the descendant are at 180 degrees from one another. They create what we call an opposition in the zodiac. So think of an opposition or at a 100 degree angle, it's a straight line, but think, envision it this way. You're sitting at a table, you're sitting on one side of the table, and the descendant or the other person that's supposed to give you some contrast, that's supposed to mirror something to sharpen the expression of your ascendant is sitting at the other side of the table. So you're facing one another, right? A lot of times, even the word opposition has a connotation of combativeness. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has the connotation of they are against me. And I think that is also part of the descendant's job to challenge because it's in the challenging of the energy of the descendant that you get to choose and exercise your free will as to how you want the energy of your water ascendant, earth ascendant, fire ascendant, air ascendant to be expressed. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that helps a lot. So, you know, I'm going to go back to, to your and mine ascendant a lot. It's, it's, it's what I know. It's, it's what's accessible right now. You and I are Libra ascendants. The descendant then becomes Aries. Libra is a sign of relationships and it's a sign that can very much lean towards diplomacy a lot. That is one of the objectives. But to the point where you are, you're minding others more at the expense of yourself. Mm-hmm. What the descendant teaches is almost the complete opposite which is Aries. Aries is the principle of me. I, what do I need? What do I need? And so someone with Aries energy is going to teach Libra energy. It's okay to be forward and direct sometimes. It's okay. Not only is it okay, but it is absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. And the way that an Aries might express itself may rub Libra the wrong way. Like, (gasps) I would never say that in that way. There are other ways. Right. My husband. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And yet, and yet he has taught you how absolutely necessary that is in the world that we live in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I just, I want to, I want to get your take. I know that your husband's in Aries. I think a lot about my brother who's in Aries. And, and so I understand that dynamic very much. You know, when you said the opposite in relationships, I thought it was interesting that I married an Aries and the way Lair and I approach the world and situations. I mean, he's very mindful, but he's also not afraid. I mean, he's just so honest and I love that about him. So it's so refreshing. He's just straightforward, cuts to the chase, no nonsense. And I love that. And it makes me feel safe, but sometimes the world... (laughs) doesn't receive it so well. Right. But he also has to honor who he is. And, you know, his delivery is potent. <laughs> right. right. I mean, not all the time. I mean, he's a therapist, so he's very he's very skillful. But, you know, his, his delivery can be potent. Absolutely. What about your brother? Is he that way? Oh, my God. My brother just, he just says what it is. And it's in his mind, it's like, why would I tell you anything other than the truth? Exactly. Why? Why would I tell you anything other than what is actually true at this moment in time? Mm -hmm. One of the things we have to understand, and this is where the conversations around astrology get very interesting and we can digress very easily. But one of the things, let's say that, you know, you have a descendant in in, in a fire sign, right? So that descendant or that seventh house is going to be in a fire sign like Aries, Leo, 
or Sagittarius. So all three air signs are going to have that. So the descendant for Gemini risings is going to be Sagittarius. The descendant for Libra risings is going to be Aries. And the descendant for Aquarius's is going to be Leo. Mm -hmm. That fire energy, what it teaches us is that there's not much weight really to this honesty. There's not much weight to this forward expression. It's, it just is what it is. Can we just get it over with? Can we just Mm -hmm. say what the things are and move forward now? Mm -hmm. And so for air energy, and again, all the, all of those three air signs express themselves very differently. There's something to learn about that. Now, I love this. I love this question because what it shows us is that If we have an ascendant that is meant to help us navigate the world. So if you have a water sign, and again, this is a very blanket statement, you're probably meant to navigate the world in a much more intuitive way. Even if the rest of your chart is very grounded, is very logical, if you're a scientist, I don't care. If you have a water ascendant, chances are that you still navigate the world in a very intuitive way. And you may not even realize it. It's just a way of being. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a fire, if you have a fire ascendant, chances are that you're going to approach the world in the way that we are describing the fire energies in our lives. Mm-hmm. Very direct, very forward, no filter, very honest. My partner is a Sagittarius ascendant and he's a very kind and calm man, but he's also very direct. He he has that fire energy, that Sagittarius. Sagittarius are known as the truth tellers of the Zodiac. There's not much filter there. You're just going to say things as they are. Now, this doesn't excuse going around the world just being an asshole, right? This is where your level of consciousness comes into play. And, and to your point, how Lair is very mindful and all of that, that counts. That's where free will comes in. But anyway, I don't want to digress. Let's say that you have an Earth Ascendant. Chances are that you're going to approach the world in a much more methodical way, in a much more practical way, in a way where you want to plan things, right? And that's the point. That's Mm -hmm. the point. So much of the ascendant has to do with physical appearance. That that requires more observation of the entire chart. But I know I can tell not what someone's going to look like, but what the energy that someone's going to give off based on their ascendant and what is aspecting their ascendant, what the rest of the planets are doing to that ascendant. Mm-hmm. I can tell if they're going to be very reserved, very quiet. If they're just going to, you know, I, I've done consultations where someone just kind of stares at me and that's okay. I can tell that by the chart. I can tell when someone's going to be a little more open and that is purely based on the ascendant. So. Again, I'll stop and and see how this is landing and if you have any questions. I actually don't have any questions. I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so the ascendant becomes such a GPS system. And so what tends to happen over time is that we do tend, and this is where it goes into that expression of the mask that I don't like very much. But I also think that it is something that we all need to go through in order to get to the true objective of our ascendant. And so here's what I mean by that. Because of the world that we live in, we morph ourselves. We morph ourselves to wear a mask because we think we're going to somehow be more loved, more accepted. If if we essentially pretend to be this thing, 
And I don't think people set off to pretend to be something they're not. I think it's something that happens, especially when we're younger, especially if we're not, you know, in touch with ourselves, with the source and the spirit within. And that's where this ascendant can become a lower expression of our ascendant Mm -hmm. in terms of when we are not being authentic, when our ascendant isn't tethered. And I I don't mean that in a bad way. Perhaps tethered isn't the best word. Grounded. When our ascendant isn't grounded or is in relationship with the spirit and the soul within us, then our ascendant, we begin to express the lower qualities uh, or, or the lower expressions of the energy of that ascendant right so for instance let's take a let's take a pisces ascendant for instance the highest expression of a pisces ascendant is to navigate the world almost through pure intuition that's a that's not an easy task in the world like the one that we live in that is incredibly first off i think that physically and psychically it's an incredibly daunting experience mm. Pisces ascendants tend to be some of the most hypersensitive individuals that I know, and they have to be very mindful of that. So when a Pisces ascendant doesn't know that about themselves, for instance, or they don't have other things in the chart to support a much more grounded energy to help them create healthy boundaries, then we come to the lower expression of Pisces energy, which is getting swept away by anything or anyone. Mm. Pisces energy at its essence tends to have this orphan quality. So they're willing to be, quote unquote, adopted by anything or anyone in order to have a sense of belonging because Pisces energy by nature is very ethereal and very spiritual for this human world. And so when someone comes into this world with heavy Pisces energy, they immediately sense this is a lot different than how I am, but who I am doesn't really fit in this world. And naturally, what we're trying to do is fit in. Mm. And so someone with with a Pisces ascendant who can very much absorb a lot of energy, because remember, it's it's kind of like this shield of the thing that we use to navigate the world. Pisces by nature is boundless. There are no boundaries. And that can be very daunting. Wow. I, I just think that's fascinating about Pisces. One, and to what was really helpful, all of it's really helpful, but especially when you talked about our ascendant, when we're not in alignment with our soul and human heart, then we can express the lower versions of that. And that makes sense where we rely on coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms, those personality right. traits, rather than coming from a grounded, embodied, empowered place. Right. So it's so good to know to tell when am I leaning on the coping mechanisms of my ascendant rather than the grounding qualities of them that support me. Right. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So our ascendant, our ascendant then becomes, and this is where these bigger questions have come up for me, right? So if I have come into this world as a Libra ascendant, and I meant to learn from fire energy because that's another thing to your question about the descendant. Much more than just looking at the sign that's in the descendant. What are the qualities of the sign of the descendant? What is the element of the sign in the descendant? I think the element of that sign is going to say a lot about the types of people that are meant to come into your life to teach you lessons, right? Mm-hmm. So you and I have fire signs in our descendant. We have Aries in our descendant. 
chances are that we're going to learn a lot about Aries and attract a lot of Aries in our lives. But more than that, beyond that, is we're going to attract a lot of fire energy or people with fiery personalities. And what's that going to teach us about coming out of, you know, this being nice, diplomatic Libra energy, right? Mm -hmm. That can be to our detriment. That's important. Because if we can accept that we came into this lifetime with a particular ascendant, and the descendant represents the energy of those that are meant to come into our life to refine our expression, then that gives you a different scope from which to view the people that come into your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so important. Yeah, it's, it's really important. Then you can have more compassion for yourself and those relationships and those people for what they're there to teach you. Right. I think that understanding the ascendant descendant axis from this perspective allows us to not take things so personally. Now, mm-hmm. we're human beings, we're going to take things personally. I think that taking things personally is even part of the process of learning not to take things personally. But this is so important because we go from especially in romantic relationships in the way that they can be expressed. We go from understanding that first of all nobody belongs to us. We don't belong to anyone. And that anyone who comes into our lives that has a significant connection to us or a significant impact on us, that was on purpose, absolutely on purpose. And so, not just the energy of the descendant, that's when you get into any planets that may be there, any transits that might be transiting that part of the house. That takes you from when is love going to come into my life and what are they going to look like to. Who am I meant to be in this lifetime? And how are the people that come into my life teaching me to be that? Mm. And that's where it gets a lot bigger than just crossing our fingers and hoping for someone to come in and to be there forever Mm. and ever and ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that bigger perspective. We forget that. It's so easy to forget that we get caught up in this one thing and how if that one thing isn't how we imagine it should be then we're at a deficit or we're lacking, right. you know, and there's something right. wrong with us rather than looking at all the other things that are happening and what they are here to teach us or help us evolve. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is a whole branch of astrology of twin flames and karmic love. Those terms are very interesting. I think that a lot of times they are perhaps manipulated to tap into something our ego wants to hear. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's truth to twin flames, karmic soulmates, all of those things. But our definition of love is so restricted that we then feel that that doesn't exist. And the mm-hmm. descendant has so much to do with encountering people in our lives that are a twin flame, for instance, someone who we have a karmic path that we were meeting karmically in this lifetime. We're touching base, but we don't have to be with them in the way that we've been sold that we have to be with a soulmate or someone who we love. Mm -hmm. So that goes on to a different conversation, but I think that's important to name, especially for those out there who get astrology readings from, from different astrologers. Be mindful of how that seventh house is described to you because it's not limited. I've had people come into consultation with me and tell me that 
I have Chiron in the seventh house. Someone told me I'm never going to find love. I'm never going to have this. I'm never going to have that. Well, that couldn't be farther from the truth. You get to decide whether that becomes a reality for you or not. Chiron, for instance, being in the descendant or the seventh house represents that there's a lot of healing to do there. And what is your level of consciousness to be able to know that that's what you need to do, that that is part of your path? And who do you allow into your life that you feel is going to help you do that? That's so good for you to... I was thinking I should pull my chart up just for the questions. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also pretty sure I have Chiron in the seventh house. And it's good to really? hear that. Yeah, I was going to look real okay. quick. But I just think that what you're... Yeah, I have Chiron in the seventh house. But I think you know what you're saying is people get these limited readings or have these limited definitions or experiences of what this could be. But it's so much more. Yeah. It's just so much more complex. It is. And I, and I think it matters to also remember that there are different branches of astrology, right? There's esoteric astrology. There is evolutionary astrology. I, I really have come to consider myself an evolutionary astrologer, which is mm-hmm. the evolution of the soul and the soul's purpose in this lifetime. And how does astrology help us navigate and understand that? I love that. There are astrologers who do a lot more mundane astrology, which is the astrology of the world. There are astrologers who do much more timed prediction-based astrology, which is very calculating in nature. Mm. So there are different types of astrologers, different branches of astrology. And I think that's also important to note because the way that the astrologer delivers the interpretation is going to be heavily influenced by the type of astrology that, that has caught their attention. And mind you, it's purposeful. I think that evolutionary astrology caught my attention because that's part of my purpose. Yeah. And, 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 and astrology is so vast. There's medical astrology. I don't care for medical astrology. Mm-hmm. Actually could not care less, but I'm sure it's fascinating, but it's not me. So mm-hmm. that's also important for people to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, intuitive readings in the sense that somebody may come just want to talk about relationships. But more what I'm interested is similar to you is what the soul wants to say about what's happening and the evolution of their soul and their medical mediums and medical this and people who more focus on relationships. So, you know, I think when you're going to get an astrology reading, you know, maybe what you're saying is it's important to understand what kind of astrologer you're speaking with and that that influences the type of reading you're getting. And also does the astrologer, what they work with meet your intention? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think many people would think, oh, there are different types and different focuses. Right, right. Yeah. And and that's important to name. So I, this I love because you mentioned you have Chiron in the seventh house, right? You, so yeah. you have Chiron in Aries. Yeah. Okay. So here's the perfect example. The other person that I was thinking about, she said, I have Chiron in the seventh. Someone told me I'm never going to find love. That is... And we've talked about this in another episode, right? Be mindful of the always and the nevers when you're getting readings. You have a Chiron in the seventh. And essentially, Chiron in the Zodiac represents a wound that we've come into this lifetime with. That's why it's called the wounded healer, the energy of the wounded healer. We come in with a wound. And depending on where it lands in our chart, that's where we're going to heal that wound. Mm-hmm. Now depending on where it's with the chart, that's also where we're going to experience a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. So where the pain is, is also where the healing is, right? You have Chiron in the seventh house. It feels like, and and this is just from spending time with you and your family, you have found a lot of healing in your relationship with your husband. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, yes. 
but a ton of pain has also come in relationships for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's my point. And, and, you know, a lot of people might start thinking, well, how, how do I do that? Do I have Chiron in the seventh house? Because I don't, right. And that's where the mind comes. (laughs) This is where intention and presence and creating a relationship to the soul comes into mind. This is why I love evolutionary astrology Mm -hmm. because it always brings you back to the self. It brings you back to the ascendant. Am I expressing it from a place that feels honest to me? And if I don't know what that means, how do I create a relationship to my soul to figure out what feels honest to me? Or am I doing it just so that others love me? Am I doing it just so that others accept me? And there's a very easy way to answer those two questions. How much of yourself do you have to compromise to be accepted and loved? Mm -hmm. And when you compromise that much of yourself, of your true self, does it hurt? And the ascendant, I think, is an evolution of answering those questions. Mm -hmm. Wow, those are really good questions. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's the ascendant in a nutshell, right? So then we go into the sun. The sun represents our identity, our ego, our vitality. The sun in its in its essence is is masculine energy in nature. Think about the sun. Think about how the sun just, when the sun appears, it just makes an appearance. It lights everything up. It just is. Even if there are clouds blocking it, there's still light because the sun is still shining. Okay. Mm-hmm. When we look at the sun, the sun represents the ego of who we are. That in itself tells me, oh, the ego is such an important component of our existence and our livelihood in this lifetime because the sun in the zodiac represents it. In Western astrology, everything in the chart is meant to support the expression of the sun. Mm. This is why people feel so identified with their sun sign. I'm a Capricorn, so I'm XYZ. I am a Gemini, so I am XYZ. I'm, it, it makes absolute sense. Absolutely. We identify that the, the The sun represents what we identify with. Now, our responsibility becomes to understand how everything else in the chart supports the highest expression of the sun, because the highest expression of our ego and our identity and what we came here to do in this world is actually meant to be of service to the world. That's that's what I wanted to ask you, because when you say ego, I, I thought clarification around what e- ego means to you in this moment, you know, as opposed to sometimes what we think of e- as ego. Right. I love that. So I think that ego is who we identify ourselves to be. I am Mildred Murillo. I am Latina. I am an astrologer. I am a spiritual teacher and coach. Those labels mm-hmm. I am a partner. I am a sister. I am a daughter. This this is what makes up my identity, right? right? This is what makes up my identity. Now, that identity and in the way that I've listed and described it is very neutral. They're just labels. They're just descriptions of who I consider myself to be, of the identity that I have created, right? This is where it gets interesting because the ego can be expressed in light or shadow, right? So... Being Mildred Mudio, the astrologer, how do I use astrology and what is the intention behind my use of it? Does that make sense? Yeah. So is, is, is my identity wrapped into the intention of I'm going to express it in this way so that I'm loved? 
Or do I understand that my ego, all of these labels and all of these titles of astrologer, teacher, and all of that are a vehicle to be of service. And that's a different Mm -hmm. expression of the ego. That, That makes a lot of sense. That's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. So who we are in our sun sign, right? Whether it's earth, wind, fire, air, the elements of our sun sign, they're going to say a lot about the things that we're naturally good at. So how do you feel? Because I don't want to just talk about myself. How do you feel identified with your Gemini energy? Um, I, I have to admit until recently, I didn't understand it because when I just always thought the way people describe Gemini, I was like, ah, I don't really feel like a Gemini, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you in this moment how it would be described, except the air sign makes sense to me. I have a lot of air. The communication sign is starting to make sense to me because my work is about communicating. Right. And it really wasn't until the retreat that I understood that my air sign is an expression of service. And that's when I'm the most Gemini is when I'm of service. Because I think of Gemini as outgoing. Right. And I'm only outgoing when I'm of service. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so what of- you're saying is fascinating to me. Because I'm not an air sign. I'm not outgoing to be loved. <laughs> right. But think about how much intention the expression of the light of our sun sign gets to shine on the world. Mm-hmm. And it gets to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'd love to recommend... It's called the Element Series by Stephen Forrest. It's a four-volume series, and he dedicates a book per element. Ooh. It's fascinating. Again, he's an evolutionary astrologer. I was very fortunate to, for my first astrology teacher, to be metaphysical, evolutionary, union type of astrologer. He was a therapist, but that was his approach. It was very spiritual, evolutionary in nature. And one of the first books that he had me read was by Stephen Forrest, and it is for mm-hmm. that reason. Wow. My my interpretations are very heavily influenced by that outlook. Mm-hmm. So recommended to anyone. I think it's I think it can be very beginner friendly. Just read it slowly. But he writes little snippets of each sun sign. And so for Gemini, he writes, if the sun is in Gemini, let your guiding star be the development of curiosity, open mindedness, conversation, and the willingness to listen. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you think about how natural those things come to you, in what context do those things come the most natural to you? Mm-hmm. That tells you a lot about where that sun sign, where that light is meant to shine. And think about what you said. I realized it when I was in Costa Rica and I was expressed and I was teaching in this way and I was a lot more social. I was a lot more Gemini. But because you have become so intentional about where to shine your light, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so Capricorn, for instance, right, is known as, I mean, what does Stephen Forrest say in his beautiful words? He says, if the sun is in Capricorn, let your guiding star be the development of self-discipline, integrity, and objective accomplishment. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting because when I was in spaces that, weren't aligned with who I really am, all of these things were very hard for me. Self-discipline, integrity, and objective accomplishment. So hard. So now I know that whenever I don't naturally express some kind of consistency or I'm not showing up in the way that I know that I know how, 
something is off. Mm-hmm. Something is off. And then it becomes my responsibility to figure out what that is. And obviously within me, mm-hmm. because it's always a call within. I, this just helps so much. I just think, I just think there's so much that I've misunderstood about astrology and understood about, because I always thought sun was like personality, but I thought of it as the personality you formed or maybe you were brought in with, but I did never understood it was meant. Like, I love what you said to be of service. What is your highest expression? These signs. And I, I don't think that's explained when people are talking about it because right. so much of what, you know, reading horoscopes and things like that, it's more the mundane or the egoic wounded right. expression of these things. Yes. The longing, you know, I feel like horoscopes are often, they really speak to like the deficits in, in ourselves, like that we're longing to fix, um, not so much as heal. Like mm-hmm. we want good fortune. We want abundance. We want love. We want romance, you know, and th- that's fine. The, of course, those are all wonderful. But it's not really addressing, those are like addressing the symptoms rather than root cause of these deficits that we feel within us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, it's so important. I mean, the sun. So what's the difference, right? Between the ascendant and the sun? Oh, that's a good one. Because I think that these two or these two energies are energies that a lot of times are misunderstood. And I think that there's a fine line. I'll be very honest. I think that coming up with an interpretation of, of being able to distinguish them in a very concise way is still something that I personally tend to look for still as a to kind of formulate a, a very clear cut distinction. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that I can come up with is remember the ascendant is how someone dawns on you energetically, how you dawn on people energetically, right? The sun is when you get to know someone a little bit more. When you get to, I mean, even you and I, this is the perfect example, right? You and I meeting in Costa Rica was us getting to know our sun signs. And this is actually really interesting because we both have Libra ascendants. Mm-hmm. So the expression of our Libra ascendants can be rather similar. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think we're pretty pleasant. <laughs> polite. <laughs> you know, polite, all of those things, <laughs> right? But the expression of our sun signs is different. Mm-hmm. Like, I really got to experience your Gemini sun. Mm-hmm. I really got to experience that. And I've had several Geminis in my life. And it's like, oh, this is the Gemini. This is the Gemini expression, right? So it was a lot more talkative. We were, I felt like I was like little girls, very, you know, just swapping information. How are you doing? Oh, did you notice this? It, it's, it felt very jovial and very mm-hmm. joyful. But just that light Gemini energy, right? Mm. So imagine the ascendant as someone's front yard mm. and the sun as being invited to a barbecue. So you get a little closer, right? And you get to tell a little bit more of their personality. But you're not going into the house. You're not sleeping over. You're not, you know, really like being invited for dinner, right? Which can be a very intimate type of thing. You're invited to the barbecue. So you're invited to the backyard, Mm -hmm. right? So if you enter the house, maybe it's just to use the restroom, but it's not like you're in an intimate space with this person. Mm -hmm. The ascendant is how the house looks. The sun is the enjoyment of a barbecue, right? Mm -hmm. And then we go into the moon energy. Mm -hmm. The moon, how you get to know someone's moon, you can equate it to, oh, you know, I, I'm being invited to sleep over these people's home. Mm-hmm. I am invited to Christmas, Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. right? 
that's a much more intimate connection with someone. And that's where you get the moon energy, which obviously I'll get to right now. But I'm wondering if that's helpful to kind of allow you to, to gauge the levels of intimacy that each of these brings into the relating to someone. I mean, I love that. I've never heard it put this way. And I love the idea of like the yard, the barbecue, and then inside the house and the different levels and aspects of intimacy. Right. And, you know, while again, when I'm of service, which the retreat was, so I was flitting around from five in the morning to nine thirty, ten at night, right. you know, doing that, connecting with people, listening, you know, readings, all the and teaching. But I very much saw your Capricorn express, the way you're of service. And part of that was staying grounded. Mine mm-hmm. was like flying from place to place. <laughs> I, I don't, I think there was one day I took a 10 minute nap. <laughs> I was going, going, going like the Energizer Bunny. But you were really so beautiful about your expression of service was also about landing and moving slow and being mm-hmm. grounded. And they were very different energies. Yeah. Just expressed differently. And it right. was, it's always helpful for me when you're in your, well, you're always are in your Capricorn energy because when our energies meet, I've described it like I'm the balloon and you're the tree. <laughs> and so I think those energies are really beautiful together because sometimes we need to go a little up high and sometimes we also need to be pulled back down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate feeling seen. That's, that's mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? So because the ascendant and the sun can, feel very similar. This is when it becomes very important to understand why some people may come off a certain way mm-hmm. and perhaps feel or be a little bit more different as you get closer to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is, and I'm talking from personal experience. This is where I'm going to get a little bit more technical, but I won't go too much into it. This is especially true for ascendants and sun signs that create a 90 degree angle to one another. Okay. They create a square to one another. I have an ascendant in Libra. Libra is known as a social sign. It's ruled by Venus and it is very polite. It is very, you know, it can come off as a lot more social than perhaps a Capricorn really is. Mm. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, this about me, I rarely leave the apartment. My home is my favorite place in the whole wide world. That's not always a healthy thing. And I know that I know that I need to get out and I know that I need to every once in a while really make an intention to socialize. And what I've become very intentional about is who I socialize with, right? Mm -hmm. So what can come off as friendly and very social, my sun sign is is not that. It it can't, that's not who I am. So a lot of times, because those two energies in the zodiac are in natural contrast of one another Mm -hmm. the expression of my personality is going to naturally contrast Mm -hmm. and so with you it's different because both your sun sign and your ascendant are air so they are what we call it a trine to one another and the retreat was a perfect example of that i noticed you had so much energy to socialize at the retreat and it was really beautiful to watch and for me it was just that's not it I think anyone who gets to know me personally knows how quiet and calm I can be and how much I need time to retreat. And that's very different than what the Libra Ascendant will show. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that either one, of a, either one of those energies are not true. They're both very true. 
They just happen to be very different. Mm -hmm. And so that's the perfect example of how the ascendant can show one thing, the front of the house, but the sun, once I invite you to a barbecue, you're going to get to know that I'm a little bit calmer and quieter, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's someone in your life that you feel comes off a certain way, and then you get to know them and it's like, oh, I didn't expect that. Be mindful. Their sun expression might be different than their ascendant, right? And that can be interpreted and expressed in, in a ton of different ways. That's so important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Say more on that. But I think it's so, because there have been people I've met where, yes, they're like that. And then I get closer to them and I'm like, oh, they pull back. And it's not pull back because they don't want to be close to me. It's just the way they meet the world is much more outgoing than when you get closer to them and you can see how reserved they are. And you could also see the complex nature of that being and why they're reserved. And then that's where building a relationship with that person and building trust is really important so that you can maybe get invited into the house. Exactly. <laughs> and that is the perfect segue of building a relationship and building a much more intimate connection with someone gets us to the moon mm-hmm. so that you can be invited into the house, right? Mm-hmm. So the moon represents in the zodiac, it can represent first and foremost, the relationship to our primary caretaker. And I use that expression because it's a little wider than just the mother, but it can represent the relationship with the mother in a lot of significant ways. The moon also represents the unconscious needs we have to feel safe in life and in situations, especially emotionally safe. That's where the energy of the moon gets tricky because we have a lot of unconscious ways that we have that are sometimes unbeknownst even to ourselves. And that's where it becomes our responsibility to figure out what that is. Mm. Because the realm of the moon becomes a little bit more psychic, intuitive, more receptive. And it's definitely the feminine essence of the Zodiac, the spiritual feminine essence of the Zodiac. And here's why I say that. I make that distinction because Venus is also the energy of feminine receptivity. But I think that Venus has much more to do with the human quality of feminine receptivity and what that means uh, according to societal structures. Because let's not forget that Venus rules Libra and Libra is very much aware of society's expectations of us Mm -hmm. and so it's much more humanistic in nature whereas Mm -hmm. the moon is much more spiritual much more private in nature which Mm -hmm. takes us into how much does someone have to trust you to invite you to sleep over their home if you're ever in town right which this is fascinating so what i was going to say is that you saw me at the retreat expressing that gemini moon but because my moon's in virgo i can be the social butterfly when I'm of service. So if you want to come to my house and I'm doing something to support you, you can come into my house, but you should see me. Otherwise, I don't really leave my house. <laughs> right. And I'm one of those people, they make a joke about it. If someone knocks on the door, I'm down hiding. <laughs> I'm so I love that. I don't like unexpected visitors. It right. rattles me. My friends know it. My friend yeah. will be like, can I come over? Is it okay? I'm like, right. oh, I'm such a weirdo. Absolutely. You can drop something off. Absolutely. <laughs> but socially, if right. I'm not of service, I won't go to lunch. I won't go to dinner. Right. It's Well, actually, it's not true. It's very hard for me. Yeah. So I. So if I'm of service, you can come into my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your moon in Virgo 
Virgo in its highest expression is the epitome of being of service. It's one of the signs that shows us that in in order for us to be of service in the world, there needs to be organization and grounding and more importantly, discernment of where energy is going, right? Mm. So uh, a lot of times Virgo is described as the organizer and seeing the details and yeah, and, and anyone with significant Virgo energy is going to be very good at those things. Why are they very good at those things? It's because we need that kind of streamline type of energy in this human world that is full of construct and in need of organization in order for that spiritual nature to be channeled through something. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because think of the sign opposite of Virgo. Pisces. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pisces is anything but that. At least Mm -hmm. the essence of the energy of Pisces. Pisces is meant to be boundless. Pisces is meant to be ethereal. It's meant to be limitless. Now, the expressions of Pisces energy in that way in this world, not conducive to anything good. They need to practice boundaries. My point is, is that the essence of the energy, and this is another thing that I invite people to think about. When you think of a sign, begin to and i know that this is the easiest thing for us to do and i get that but begin to expand your mind to learn about the signs the essence and the energy of those signs rather than just tying it to someone right and i can understand tying it to someone helps we have a very tangible expression of that energy which helps a lot we used it this entire episode but if you're someone who's really serious about astrology begin to think of really the essence and the element and the expression of energy as energy rather than a person. And I say this because, especially if you've had, you know, a, a bad experience with someone of a particular sign. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate Leos. I hate Scorpios. I hate Geminis. It's so limiting. So limiting. It's so limiting. And first off, if you just say that you hate someone else for that, you're essentially also missing out and blocking the lesson that you're meant to gain from that exchange. Mm-hmm just FYI, right? But again, I make these distinctions because of how popular astrology is being interpreted, especially Mm -hmm. online. Okay, so we get back to the moon, right? The moon represents how we feel emotionally safe, our emotional needs. The moon, again, can be indicative of the relationship with our mother. If we have harsh aspects to our moon, especially if the moon has aspects to Pluto, to the nodes, if it's in the 8th or the 12th house, that's going to say so much about the relationship to our mothers and how much more important that relationship becomes to the evolution of our soul. It's massive. So think about now let's, let's, let's look at it from that perspective. Think about how much you have to trust someone to invite them into that understanding of your journey and your story so that they actually get a good grasp of who you are. Mm -hmm. That's how intimate the expression of the moon becomes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your moon's in Leo, right? Mm -hmm. So if we go back to your your Libra, Mm -hmm. open and friendly, your Capricorn, a mm-hmm. little more reserved, mm-hmm. grounded. So when people are in your house, so when people are let in, I mean, yeah. I can say, I, I feel, but I, I'm just curious from your perspective, what does that feel like for you? How does that Leo express itself in your relationships or in the people you let in? Right. I'm incredibly loving. That's where mm-hmm. the people will get to see my silliness, 
I'll, I'll joke around more. That's where I'm, I'm very affectionate, like, especially with, with the people that I genuinely just really love, mm-hmm. love hugs. But I also just feel there's a sense of joy mm-hmm. that, that Leo energy of joy is so vibrant within me, mm-hmm. which is interesting because Leo is a sign that is what we call an in conjunction at 150 degree angle to Capricorn energy. And so it's like, uh, like there's this discovery, like, uh, I don't, uh, something is off. So for me, even for me to describe my Leo energy, because I can be very identified with my Capricorn energy as my identity, my personality, Leo, especially when it comes to trusting people, right? And creating close relationships with people and feeling safe to actually be loving and silly and joke around and all of those things in a very intimate way. That has even been a process for me. Mm. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can see that. That makes a lot of sense in knowing you. You are very loving and just very connective. I can see the the balance between the two, not, I don't know the hesitation as much, but right. a reserved and then a loving, you know, it's, yeah. there's a dance. Yeah. And a lot of times I think throughout my life, I have come off as very awkward and, mm-hmm. and I realized, Oh, this is why, because these mm-hmm. energies are very different from themselves. So the Libra and Leo actually get along really well. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. But like the Libra Capricorn, the Leo Capricorn, those are very different energies. So that can come across as awkward, especially as you're trying to figure out who you really are. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm not saying that I figured out who I really am. But what I am saying is that my connection to, to source and spirit is greater now that I trust that whatever I feel comfortable expressing with someone at any given moment is exactly what I'm going to feel comfortable with. And I'm not questioning myself for it. And so that's different, right? Yeah. Now, what does the moon tell us in relationships? The moon, and this is this is something really interesting to take note of when it does come to relationships. Understanding someone's moon sign and the aspects that their their moon has. But let's just say the moon sign will tell you a lot about not necessarily how that person needs to be loved, but it'll tell you a lot about that person's needs. That doesn't mean that you have to fulfill those needs. But what it does mean is that you get to have some kind of insight as to what that person needs. Let them tell you what they need, because that doesn't mean that you're the one who needs to give it to them, because then we enter, you know, manipulative territory. Mm -hmm. But it's about understanding someone's needs. When we can understand someone's needs, the way they need to be loved. If they ask us to show up in a certain way, we can say, I can totally understand where that's coming from. And of course, also checking in with yourself, if that is a way that you can, you know, meet that person halfway. Mm -hmm. But it just also tells you a lot on, you know, maybe what they didn't get when they were younger. It tells you a lot on what helps them feel safe with someone, right? A moon in Virgo is going to feel safe with those that ground them that help them feel emotionally grounded. A moon in an earth sign is going to need that. A moon in a fire sign is going to feel safe with someone who can who they can be expressive and creative with. A moon in a water sign is going to feel safe with someone who they can 
either just be with without having to explain themselves or them explaining all of themselves when they feel misunderstood by the rest of the world. Mm. A moon in an air sign is going to feel so safe just exchanging a ton of information, right? And again, these are very umbrella definitions based on the element, but this is going to tell you more than anything. That's why this person either needs space or not to feel safe somewhere Mm. or with someone. This is I, I just feel like you're doing such a good job with these three because I'm thinking about the members of my family, you know, mm-hmm. and this is really helping me understand the way they move through the world. And, and you know, my son being a Pisces, I notice I don't feel as emotionally grounded or I won't say safe, but, you know, with yeah. him yeah. as I do with my youngest or my husband yeah, for different reasons, because Jake's got that mm-hmm. boundless energy sometimes, even right. though he's a Capricorn, but it's just so, yeah. it, it's just, I think it brings more compassion, you know, and then it helps me look at them and what their needs are, how I can meet them if, if yes. they want it, but how I can just have compassion for them in the way they move through the world Absolutely, and, and how these different qualities express themselves. It's like getting a micro and macro view at the same time. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And and I love what you just said, because I think that the whole point of understanding someone else's chart is to genuinely understand someone else. And here's why I say this. I can't tell you how many times I have been asked to do readings around, well, can you read both of our charts? And can you tell me what we need to do in order to make this work? It's like, that's not exactly how this works. Once you, Once I tell you, based on this person's chart, not who they are, but some of the energy that they already express. Can you accept them for who they are and take that as information and ask yourself, does this align with me? Does this feel honest with me? And make a decision based on that. Yeah. Those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm so adamant about be very mindful about what you read, especially when it comes to sinistry, love astrology, because a lot of it is written to grasp your attention, to tug at the ego, and to tell you, if you do this, if you understand these things about the person and you behave in this way, Mm. then they're going to love you. Mm. Yes, exactly. When the point of understanding how someone else works is to what you said, how do I have so much more compassion for who they are? And even if we can't be in each other's lives the way that I wish we were or at all, can I still understand that it has nothing to do with me? That's what I was going to say. I remember meeting someone who I adore and that, you know, the backyard barbecue, I was like, oh, they're much more reserved. And I just remember going, you know, it helps me now in this moment. And I've thought about this, not take it personally. And I I try not to. I remember just thinking, that's just what this person needs. Right. You know, right. There is so much about, especially in my healing with, with my mother and my family, that knowing astrology and, and, and knowing their charts and their placements that has helped me be able to take a step back and be the observer mm-hmm. and say, how do I, knowing this information, want these people in my life or not? Mm-hmm. But it isn't about who I want them to be, who I need them to be. It isn't about that. It's about who are they? And based on that, what kind of boundaries do I need to create for myself? Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and this is where astrology, at least for me, you know, whether it's, I see a chart on a screen or I print it out and it's on a piece of paper, it's like, 
there's a separateness that happens. Every chart, it's its own world. Mm -hmm. And don't forget that also just because we see something in a chart doesn't mean that that's 100% the expression of that person's energy. Mm -hmm. And so here's what I mean by that. I am the eternal optimist. I always have been and I always will be. My interpretation of charts, while it is very grounded, it's also what can be the highest expression of this energy, right? Well, that's according to that person's level of consciousness, whether they're going to do that or not. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make them bad. That doesn't make them good. It's not about that. But the, the reason that I'm making this distinction is that we have to remember that people are people. And we have to remember that part of our purpose of being here is to learn to hopefully express all of who we are in the highest expression to ultimately be of service to one another. Because I do believe that that is the ultimate purpose of our existence, to be of service to one another. What that looks like, how that's done, that's very different for everyone. But the point being that, so if I interpret something or any astrologer interprets something in this way, I think that we're going to capture the essence of that energy. But ultimately, how it's genuinely expressed depends on the person, on what they're meant to experience on their journey, on the lessons they're supposed to learn. So just remembering the unique complexities of everyone's journey is so important, especially when it comes to relationships, particularly romantic relationships. And there's so much personal work that goes into that full expression. Yeah. I mean, I know personally, and we've talked about this before, just because something is in your chart. And if you're not evolving towards that or moving towards that or healing or self-awareness, then that can't be expressed if it's stuck or in the shadow. I mean, your explanation of this is just really beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I, I mean, I love it. If you can't tell. <laughs> no, you can totally tell. It like radiates <laughs> off you. <laughs> yeah. I, before we end, I want to make sure that the moon, was the moon clear? Or did you have some questions around that? I feel like, you know, you talked about the moon being the feminine essence, it being our, our, the way we feel safe. Mm -hmm. I guess one thing I was curious, can you speak a little bit more to the intuitive aspect of the moon? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So let's take the, the sun and the moon together, right? Those two, those are the luminaries of the zodiac. They have a very special, intricate relationship in the zodiac. I don't know, perhaps we can do just an episode on that and, and the psychology behind that, which is fascinating. When we look at other branches of astrology, when we look at Mayan astrology, when we look at like Eastern types of astrology, that astrology actually revolves around the moon, mm. not the sun. And so instead of going season to season, meaning Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and so on and so forth, we go on, they're very much guided by the cycles of the moon. So the new moons and the full moons. Mm. I personally like that, but I am very well vested in Western astrology, which I think is just as, just as a powerful tool. The intuitive nature of the moon, when we tap into, so let's say that you want to approach this in a practical way initially, start researching the sign that your moon is in. Start researching, start researching, read tons of things. Don't tie yourself to anything. Just look at it from a research observer perspective, gather data, then begin to pick up on themes, right? And pay attention to how those themes that you're gathering that data with 
have unfolded in your life. And then begin to ask yourself, what is it around these themes or this data that I have found in my life have made me feel emotionally safe? So when we feel emotionally safe, when we do certain things that help us feel emotionally safe, when we interact with certain people that help us feel emotionally safe, think about how much our sense of safety within ourselves and in our body is so important to the intuitive work that you and I do. Mm -hmm. So when someone feels safe and they begin to make intentional decisions around what helps them feel emotionally safe, emotionally nurtured, their nervous system is calmed down because the body knows it's safe. And therefore, that intuitive language begins to really come through. But what's going to guide you to say, how do I find that? It's the sign that your moon is in and the house that it's in. That's interesting. And so my point with bringing in the sun is that if you want a sharper expression of the sun, because remember, the sun is the exterior. The sun is the identity. If you want to practice the highest expression of your sun sign in this lifetime, get in touch with your emotional needs and what your moon needs. Mm -hmm. Get in touch with feeling emotionally safe. That's going to require a lot more discernment of who and where you spend your time, your energy, your effort, right? Because so much of the moon is indicative of, of the mother and mothering. When you pay attention to the moon sign, you are essentially mothering yourself. You're essentially asking your inner child, what do you need? Mm. And giving it unconditionally. Mm. Because in that space, especially where we're coming from a higher level of consciousness, in the spiritual realm, in the psychic realm, in this intuitive realm, it is meant to be unconditional and unlimited. Mm. We are meant to give ourselves in the highest expression and be objective to be of service. We are meant to give ourselves what our moon needs unconditionally and unlimitedly. Because that is going to create the intuitive hits that we need so that then our sun sign, our ego comes from that space. Mm. And that is where the expression of the sun sign, the expression of the ego of our identity of this meat suit, that's where it becomes purposeful and intentional. Got it. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I mean, I keep saying that's really beautiful. But when you break this down, it's so much more than just signs and houses and because it's so spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it really helps understand life and life's flow and life's purpose. And I mean, the idea that nurturing those moon needs, those emotional needs is, you know, giving our inner child what it needs. I mean, that's just, and, and also psychological. I mean, it just, it speaks to my two favorite topics, <laughs> psycho- psychology and spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I love talking about astrology. And so, I hope that this gives everyone listening a much broader perspective of what the big three really are, Mm -hmm. but also a much more profound understanding of what they really are. Yeah. Because I think that it's really important to understand them in that way and to, and, and the way that you come to have a much more profound understanding of your placements and your charts. It's about getting curious about them. Mm-hmm. It's about paying attention. How is this energy actually, how do I actually express this in my life? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's there I go doing the thing. Do mm-hmm. I want to continue doing the thing? How does this thing help me be of service? Does this thing feel honest to me? So this is where, where we, this is where it becomes that tool of self-awareness. But 
being mindful that it's not that you read a book and you have figured yourself out. I don't think that astrology is meant to work in that way. I think that astrology gives you parameters that you're Mm -hmm. meant to get curious about and that essentially you're meant to come to your own truth about these energies. Right. And 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 that's so important. That's mm-hmm. so important because we live in a world where we're given prescriptions, where we're giving instructions, directions, um, rubrics, syllabi, syllabi. We're giving all of these things to tell us that tell us what we're meant to learn, to believe, to to understand. We came here to question everything, mm-hmm. including <laughs> the interpretations of our astrology. I'm just noticing my kids are about to jump in the pool, so it's going to get loud. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you. I don't, I can't, there's nothing I even want to add. No questions (laughs) I have because I feel like it's just so well done and so well put. And I have to admit for me, there's, I wrote like four or five pages of notes. (laughs) So there's so much for me personally to sit with. And I know that the people listening, this gives them a lot to think about too. And I love it. It's a study. It's an exploration. It makes me so curious and want to know more. So thank you. Ah, thank you. I, I love this. So we would love to hear more from you all. If, if you want more episodes like this, I would love to go into more of this stuff. And also, if there are any... Do you hear Jack? Oh, is that Jack? Is he sleeping? He's sleeping. He's having a dream. <laughs> My buddy. If, if there are any other topics that you all want to hear about, let us know and, and, you know, we'll bring him into conversation. But thank you for this space and allowing me to talk about one of the things I love the most. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you like the podcast, please feel free to rate it. We would love you to rate it and review it. We would totally welcome that. If you ever have any questions or comments you want to address personally, feel free to message us on Instagram or through our website. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. Bye all. Bye.